Hi there, my name is Cy Williams, and I'd like to welcome you, our listeners, our High Can fam, our High Canada tribe, to the first inaugural podcast I uh, put under, out under the uh, CPN, Cannabis Psychedelic Network. Um, we're sitting in the High Canada house, and we're sitting around, uh, around a kitchen table in the High Canada kitchen. We're talking about all things cannabis and psychedelics in Canada and internationally. I'm sitting here with Dave McAdam. Dave is a, he is a global editor for High Canada Magazine and our media group. All th- he's a specialist in all things cannabis and all things psychedelics, uh, especially when it comes to cultivation. Now, Dave has this particular interest in extraction and psilocybin cultivation. And he, what Dave has forgotten about cannabis and psilocybin cultivation, most people know right now. And he is an amazing genius when it comes to all things cannabis and psychedelics. And it's a pleasure to welcome him to our, to our podcast. I'm also sitting here with Xander Landry. Xander wears many hats for the CPN Network, the High Canada uh, Magazine Network, Psychedelic Canada Network. He's a longtime contributor. He's also um, he's in charge of all things technical and digital for High Canada Magazine. Um, and he has brought uh, our platform to new heights, uh, new highs, uh, almost daily. So, Xander, it's a pleasure to have you here as well. So, guys, our first, uh, our first episode, Season 1, Episode 1, Sitting in the Kitchen. What do you think? How are we doing? So far, so good. It's been a long time coming, you know, but uh, we'll make up for some lost time right now. I know we've been talking about this for quite a while. I know Xander has brought this up weekly for the last eight months. At least. At least. Social media is important and podcasts are cool. It's not just social media. Uh, I've heard, I've been hearing so much about new media platforms that are that are uh, podcast based, that are uh, audio audio based, uh, and they're so great. I, I'm, I'm hearing people talking about all these podcasts, and they've been talking about podcasts in such a big way. And I know it's taken us a while to get to this point, but it's it's good to finally be here. And while never having a podcast before this, High Canada and Peace and uh, our Cannabis Psychedelic Network has been involved in a few podcasts. It's funny. We are we go on so many podcasts uh, over the years. We've been uh, we've been uh, podcasting from the U.S., from Europe, from Canada. Just um, just last week, I was on the Fried Chicken podcast, and uh, at the end of that podcast, they actually yeah, served I like me those guys, man. infused uh, fried chicken. Oh, that was good. good. It was. It was. Although uh, when I showed Xander the clip, he uh, he rolled his eyes when they played the uh, the banjo. Uh, there was a lot of <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it was a little much. So we have a lot going on in our High Canada Magazine world, our Psychedelic Canada Magazine world. Um, overall, we just got back from the Lift Expo and Grow Up Conference in Toronto and Niagara Falls, respectively. Where we spent our team spent three weeks out there. And we hit the convention circuit hard. Lyft was a four-day U.S. Uh, four-day event put on by these uh, this group out of the U.S. Uh, that puts on uh, massive events. And uh, they did a good job, man. They did a good yeah. job. Uh, I thought it was well attended. It was good to see in-person events come back in such a big way. And then we had about a week off, and we went to the Grow Up Conference in Niagara Falls. And there is nothing like a Niagara Falls conference. Let me tell you. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, back-to-back Toronto and Niagara Falls weed conferences. 
It was yeah, a, I love the psychedelic summit at the grow up. You know, cannabis conventions are coming back with a force after COVID. They are. Uh, we are looking at a whole bunch of events coming up this spring. Uh, we were, uh, you and I were just, Xander and I were discussing uh, how many events are coming up this spring and the logistics around who on our team is going to what. Not so, just in Canada, but around the well, world. That's so there's going to be a new consumer event in Toronto, and I think it's going to be at the CNE. I'm that's not right, sure at the X. The, yeah, I'm not sure what the dates oh, are. Oh, that sounds interesting. Right? We will be talking about that event as it gets closer. Mm-hmm. I know just before we launched this podcast, we were talking about Dave going to Spanibus in March in, in Barcelona. Uh, I'm I see in, man. a few no on-site interviews I'll in the future of this podcast, yes. It's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. We, um, I don't know, for listeners who are unaware, Dave and I tried to go to Spanibus two years ago. We brought the team. We were, we were rocking. We had a seven-city, three-week tour planned uh, based around Spanibus and ICBC, uh, ICBC being the International Cannabis Business Conference. And we got there, and we were royally fucked. It was, it was like, I hate to swear, but in a nutshell, we got there, we paid for all this stuff to get there. We were going to give away issues of high Europe. We had this tour planned. We had booths and then we were shut down, like immediately shut down. I think we were there for like two days and we showed up at the show and it was like iffy. Uh, we were watching the news and listening for calls at like midnight and figured, okay, they haven't canceled the show yet. But by the time we woke up at 7 a.m., and got down to the show, they were packing the show up. And they're like, guys, go to your hotel. Military will be waiting for you. And sure enough, we got back to our hotel, and we got escorted to like a space station hotel guarded by the military who kept us there for till we left. Hey, thank God for Jack and the Plug providing us with some good cannabis and treating us like kings. It's true, although by the last day, Dave and I were eating mayonnaise sandwiches because all the, sh- the shops had long closed, and it was basically, it was it, it was turning into a, a, a military fascist uh, state out there, and you couldn't leave, we couldn't leave. Hey, airplane food tasted pretty oh, good. Oh, I was hungry. And the funny thing is, um, is I had my passport stolen during that uh, event, and uh, we go down to the Canadian embassy uh, in Barcelona and this wonderful man, Oliver, who runs the embassy down there, he, he was able to help me out. But when I came back to pick up my passport, there were like 14 people in the waiting room, all of them that I knew from Spanibus <laughs> who were there from Canada, yeah. who had had their wallets and passports stolen. And there was only one, this one yeah. older man who didn't... he. He couldn't he figure out why we all. The airport before they yeah, got him. they got him. They work in pairs there, um, and it was funny because it was like it became this cannabis can, uh, reunion uh, over in Barcelona in the embassy. And I know Oliver just kind of shaking his head, going, "Ah, oh, Canadian cannabis people, oh, know, go home, you I guys, go home." He getting robbed. Although shout outs to the Canadian embassy in Barcelona for getting all of us Canadian cannabis people home safely. Yeah. Uh, let's hope next year's Spanibus is a little better than that one. Hey, it's still a little sketch. So. Oh, you know, I don't know. This weekend was the Emerald Cup in the U.S. and that's a big show. And mm-hmm. whoa, it was rocking. Like, I think we're get, we're back. Uh, unless something drastic happens, I think we're back in a big way. And I think we're going to see shows get bigger and there's going to be more of them. And there's 
hopefully more consumer and retail based shows. Uh, that's the one thing. That's a couple. I I, I could yeah, talk about the other shows events. Seem to be particularly tailored to just the higher end of the cannabis industry. If you're, society. hey, if, I'm looking forward to Bike Day, and um, I think the event is oh, yeah. the weekend before that. Oh no! See, we're talking weekend. about putting our our own event, uh, a psychedelic. Uh, Expo, a consumer-based um, event. A consumer-based yeah. event. Now, I love that the psychedelic summit at the Grow Up Conference uh, addressed uh, so many, uh, so many th- things in the psychedelic space, and I love that the the Lift Conference put on its own psychedelic day, and that both of these big conferences looked at psychedelics, but they only looked at psychedelics from one or two lenses, and that was academic. Well, people well, are starting to look at, at psychedelics more and more. They're starting to become in the limelight with all the studies being shown of their effectiveness. You, you can't argue with the research. Psychedelic-assisted therapy. That's right. And there's so many great things happening right now. But I'm, my concern, and the reason that we, we even thought about having any kind of consumer event, was there. I don't want there to be the same disconnect between cannabis or psychedelic users and uh, psychedelic suppliers. Because yeah. what's happened in the ca- legal cannabis industry, we're going to draw some parallels. That was built the moment legalization happened, and it has just grown wider and wider since then. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, LPs and brands are still trying to figure out how to bridge the gap Between to the, the consumers. Day, uh, cannabis consumer and the actual LP that makes the weed, there's just now, such a disconnect of information well, and communication but the thing that built the cannabis industry were the events the expos the information and education gathered and, and that people oh, yeah. got like from if these you look things at the first lift event compared to the now they're oh. practically unrecognizable oh that first lift event where there were a thousand people uh on the sidewalk uh on front street as a blue jay game got out and there were the, the thousand people were smoking cannabis and it was just the most surreal moment and I think everybody who's who went to that lift event, that very very first one, the one where legacy and legal tried to coexist, they did a great job, man. They did. Uh, they, they, Those three years, had, it was just shades I of gray. I had a legacy booth there, you know. So yeah, if I was not long after the Vancouver show, they wouldn't let, wouldn't allow me anymore. Yep, but that's what I'm saying is if if you look at like the first lift few years of lift conventions compared to now, they're yeah. like. They're not even the same type of conventions, even. Like, they don't even... I think they make the side the same people. first O'Cannabis, I think Oh, was. the first O'Cannabis, yeah. That's a biz, That's a good B2B one. I like, you know what, you know, I, um, the Grow Up Conference and O'Cannabis are two of my favorite events. We have been working with uh, um, Randy Rowe, Neil Dixon, Dana Dixon for years now with these on these events. And They're great people. I, I love going to those two events. Grow Up is quality over quantity, much like ICBC, yeah. where you meet great growers, you meet great insiders in the industry, decision makers. You really get to the, the meat and bones of everything. Lyft is... It's more like a shotgun approach. And you can... You, you, you get out of lift what you put into a lift but it's quantity over quality at that point like if i were an extractor i would have loved lift because there was all extraction stuff yeah right um you know if i was a consumer i'd go look at all this machinery i don't know what any of this stuff does oh look swag and then i go home yeah 
Um, Wouldn't be worth a $935 ticket. But <laughs> <laughs> you've got to remember at Lyft in these events, there's no sales. There's really no consumer sales going on whatsoever. And they're oh, cost yeah. prohibitive to consumers for the most part if they want to get the educational side of it. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like an, uh, a psychedelic expo could bring both sides of the, of the coin to the table and, and just present like a massive amount of information education to, the, to consumers and at the same time allow for some sort of forum like we used to have in the cannabis industry i hope the indigenous play a large part in that expo because you know they could be doing uh you know tea ceremonies absolutely and, and, thinking, and different yeah. uh, they have some of the most experience when yeah, it comes man. to uh conducting safe psychedelic That'd experiences so cool, yeah. one of the highlights of the grow up conference was i was uh was blessed i was uh i was asked to host the psychedelic summit portion of the the grow up conference and it was a one day on december 1st and i got to you know introduce all the speakers and t- and uh it was just a full day of host duties within the psychedelic spectrum of things and uh I got to sit down, besides, besides uh, introducing uh, Mark Hayden, our keynote, the, one of the, uh, the biggest highlights of it was uh, me sitting down with Jamie Kunkel from Smoke Signals and uh, his son, uh, Jay Lee Thompson, uh, from where well, I believe the company is Microbial, Microbial... Mass. No, no, no. That's another company. No, that's you know, company. Uh, he, uh, Wicked product, I must uh, Actually, I'm just going to open up this magazine <laughs> in front of me, and it is Primordial Mycology. Anyways, I entered, uh, not only did I get to introduce these guys, I had a sit-down discussion at the table with them, uh, and it was very cool to talk about how psychedelics fit into um, to the indigenous landscape and the traditions that they honor and what the, that the indigenous communities, how they've been using psychedelics and how they're transitioning psychedelics in with cannabis to treat so many different things. And uh, I really, it was such a great discussion. It was great to hear. It was great to honor our indigenous roots in that way, 100%. And uh, two, I couldn't have asked for two better guests. Uh, but they were both so uh, well versed and well spoken, and, and they they know their stuff. And especially Jay Lee, who um, I, I think I might have mentioned this to you guys. He's, he's making just the, a young lad too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in his twenties. He yeah. but he's come up with this uh, psilocybin caviar, and he calls it caviar because it's like little red little dots. And it, it looks like caviar, and he, he, um, he, he it's a psilocybin-based product, and he just, it's kind of like, the impression I got was it's kind of like, as what diamonds are to cannabis, caviar is to psilocybin. Oh, so like a purified form of it? That's right. It down? Yeah. That's very interesting. What if, so mm. that could be used for like... Microdosing? I th- yeah, microdosing, macrodosing, um... You, you bring up an interesting point. What are your thoughts? Okay, what's the, for to you, what's the difference between microdosing and macrodosing? One's well, medicinal and one's recreational. Yeah, you do microdosing to get the, uh, the uh, effects of the you know, products without feeling it. And you do macrodosing to, feel, to get the effects and feel it. That's a very safe answer, I think. I don't know. I think microdose, I you feel it. I macrodose, I'm telling you, straight up. You macrodose. I, uh, I, uh, I, micro, I enjoy uh, the bug. I find microdosing, you still get an effect, but it's not intense. It's not crazy. It's not like, it's not like you're not going to trip for four or five hours. I microdose for, for the non-psychoactive benefits, but I macrodose for the psychoactive benefits. That's a uh, better way to put it. Oh, okay, yeah, I like that. That's, that's good. Microdosing just makes your day brighter. Yes, 
Like mm -hmm. the the weeks when I microdose with mushrooms are like some of the most productive weeks of my year. Yeah. Um. I and addressing things like trauma, anxiety, or there's a whole array of, uh, of uh, mental illnesses that are currently being researched and addressed, looking into oh, yeah. psychedelic the, the therapies are on, huge right now. On psychedelic therapy are incredible. Like, well, they're know, being used to treat so many types of treatment-resistant uh, mental illnesses, you know, which is like... A great field to be in. And, you know, there's some great... Uh, I'm watching a whole new uh, group of companies, group of uh, uh, businesses and uh, service providers coming out of the, the new uh, this psychedelic renaissance. One of our advertisers and close friends, actually, um, Terry Roycroft, he runs the MMRC Clinic, the Medical Mushroom Resource Center. And uh, for those of you in the Canadian cannabis industry, you might remember Terry Roycroft. He's also the founder and owner of uh, MCR. RCI, which was responsible for getting so many people their their cannabis licenses uh, for a number of years leading up to legalization. Oh yeah, that's a guy who cares about using the you know medicine to help the people. Plant based, he is plant definitely an ad a huge advocate. I, mean, I wouldn't call mushrooms a plant, but yeah. Well, I guess no. They're yeah, all, they're all connected. Mycelin connects them all. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I know I'm saying there's about as much similarity between mushrooms and plants than mushrooms and us, you know. Well, uh, true, true, true. Uh, yeah. Like they're just the wrong thing. Yeah, but I think they use a general classification when it comes to plant medicine as incorporating like all things that come out of the earth. Oh, well, yeah. Rather a, than actually it meaning like sure. uh, just plants. But they're all mushrooms don't really come out of the earth. You know, uh, mushrooms can grow on anything, really. That's true. That's true. Hell, yes. mushrooms technically are the earth if you want to get technical about it with mycelium and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, you know, one of the great things uh, I uh, we have uh, we've been publishing Psychedelic Canada now for a couple of since March, uh, and it has been the sleeper hit uh, that we did not expect. I was totally not prepared for the um, well, the enthusiasm and the reception. I to be honest, um, I thought the our population of readers was significantly smaller than that for each high canada magazine or hcm or high europe brands but it turns out that there is an even more ferocious appetite for knowledge and information education when it's it comes because, to psychedelics well, there's so there's such a plethora of information and education about cannabis since legalization that people don't have to really look for it but when it comes to psychedelic like actual Standard. Solid knowledge. I was at the shows. I got asked that did, there was no age spectrum from 19 years old just being allowed to get in the show to the oldest guy at the show, right? Not just people at the show, but the vendors too. You know, there's a lot of interest for sure. Huh. And there's a lot of good things we hear. You know, we haven't had a chance to read the research. But, you know, supposedly it's supposed to help with uh, Alzheimer's. PSTD. PTSD, um, yes. PTSD. Uh, yes, there's been uh, multiple clinical trials to show mushrooms, uh, psychedelic th therapy to uh, help people with PTSD and depression yeah. and anxiety and a, a whole a plethora of uh, different sorts of mental ailments. I, I think we're going to just get this. Uh, the, one of the things that I heard. Like, if we start talking about the different things you can treat with different types of mushrooms. We could be talking all day. Well, one of the things I heard is that psychedelics are going to disrupt, totally disrupt the billion dollar industry that is healthcare. Now, healthcare is a giant industry out there. 
uh, from medications yeah. all so the you, way down. When you say healthcare, you're really talking about medication. And when you talk about medication, not just you're really medication. talking about... Big Water, pharma. Big pharmacy. Okay, companies. but it's not just it's. It, I say healthcare. It's also going to affect service providers and uh, the way we do treatment. And you know, we do kind of a substitution programs on a very small scale. But can you imagine when psychedelics are legalized and being incorporated into day to day use? What that will do to we see it in our travels across. Can you Canada. imagine if one well, day your therapist prescribes you a two hour mushroom session? Well, here's the thing. You know, that. I, and that's not, that's a great thing, I think. Yeah, I'm uh, saying that's a great thing. But, you know, as long as, and a lot of people, I think a lot of people just need that extra bit of support around before and after their experience. A lot their, of people their, their are experience. turning around when it comes to psychedelics, not just in the general population, but within the medical and scientific community as well. They're coming to acknowledge the uh, positive effects while actually finally being able to differentiate between the positive psychedelics and the negative opioids that they've been tied to with culture and negative stigma throughout the years. Well, here's, here's the thing. Like, with the worldwide population, and if you do come up with a drug that is helping people, everybody has to be available to it. Yeah. So here's the big pharma comes in because they can synthesize this product. You know what I mean? And get it to the masses, Yeah, but synthesized right? products but always imagine how come many, up with a lot of more. Yeah, imagine how many cultivators it'd have to be worldwide to grow mescaline, peyote, mushrooms of all descriptions. But you need labs you know, for you know, LSD. And, and, and labs and farms. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Big Pharma has its place. You know, they've helped as many people, I believe, as they've harmed. And I wouldn't say that their companies are actually out there to fuck the general public. They're out there I, actually to do good. It depends. But there's, I, there's a lot too of many companies that are under a so broad much, spectrum. Of I do, don't think that yeah, the first episode is the time to just debate Big Pharma. Tune in on episode six, though, where we talk <laughs> the pros and cons of Big Pharma. I I mean, I'm not their advocate or anything, but, you know, everybody's got a place. Right? Oh, absolutely. I like that 50-50 approach. When I hear Big Pharma, the first thing now, I think of is raising the you price know, of something, insulin to 600 bucks. Something you I'm said really around. resonated, though, because we dealt with um, Ibogaine right now. is a treatment for people who are addicted to, uh, to opiates, and it's available, and you can go on these, uh, these, to these treatment centers around the world and you can spend a couple weeks there and it resets your system and it really does help addiction. Like they've done the research, it's being done, these treatment centers are successful, but... Yes, Ibogaine it is, is a perfect example it is of not a good product being used poorly by the people who can use it. Yeah, it's... It's not... It's not cost... It's, uh, it's cost prohibitive for... Somebody who's living on the street to get like a fifteen thousand dollar the treatment, it's cost prohibitive for a a, a, pers a person living on a limited income or a senior or anybody else, anybody who doesn't have that money to throw away. And then you know that kind of thing leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I would like to see accessible treatment. Dave said it. We 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 need to make sure it's out there for everybody and you know not out of reach or this thing that's there for people who have money or the elite. I think these psychedelic um, uh, treatments that we're hearing about should be available to everybody. It, it ticks me off a little bit. It doesn't to see. have to be a retreat in Belize. It could be a hospital in downtown. Yeah. You know, like, 
It could be the same thing as a methadone clinic. Yeah, same thing. Well, then we're hearing about all sorts of exciting microdose things going on. Um, and I know, like, we're going to be seeing, like, we see microdosing, mescaline, LSD, every type of psilocybin. Now, I just um, read this really interesting article about a study being conducted about the, uh, at, uh, about psychedelics being used to battle addiction <laughs> methods. And it's been in, uh, incredibly effective targeting addicts of methamphetamines. Oh, that's because, interesting. Uh, uh, psychedelics, and actually not just psychedelics, but cannabis can help block those receptors in your brain. So it's been showing, uh, showing as a good treatment... For methamphetamines. For methamphetamines, addiction. Oh, please send me that research. I'd be very interested in reading that. Yeah. So a lot of studies being done of addiction studies being used with psychedelics and cannabis microdosing to uh, help substitute. I mean, by, by no means is it a cure for addiction or substance abuse, but it's the right track to proper recovery. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there is no cure-all to any of that. No, no, you know what? We run the, uh, for those but of you who don't it's know. It's a really good chance for someone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we run two low-key cannabis substitution programs in the communities of Langley and Surrey here in British Columbia, doing what we can. And it, it's, a, it's a rough world out there. And addiction has hit uh, not just British Columbia. We see it in Ontario. We see it in Alberta. We see Though it in the British Maritimes. Columbia does have the highest overdose rates of Canada. It's crazy around welfare. Damage. And that's another well, reason people that like, has sparked the rise of psychedelic-assisted therapy is the uh, rise of overdoses and death due to the fentanyl in the market in the past few years. Like, that has bolstered the death, death rates. Some of the statistics the that I heard. Um, now, I read one statistic that said uh, 12,000 people died in British Columbia in 2021 between January and July. Uh, due to tainted drug supply. That number is closer to 15,000 now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, we, um, the, uh, and even within the communities we serve, we lost three quarters of the people that we worked with in our original cannabis substitution programs to overdose. And it was tragic beyond words and affected every, everybody who was in contact with these groups so deeply. And, uh, you know, lack of clean supply, Everybody shut down, and then suddenly all this money without any support. Uh, you know, federal government. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed you didn't take. I'm ashamed. Uh, I'm ashamed of you that you didn't take better care of our marginalized Canadians. Mm -hmm. Offer them a little support, because uh, so many people died during this uh, last two years. And yeah, it's... what happened during COVID with the homeless? Did they, did the government reach out? No, they cracked down on homelessness in the areas. I saw a sign in Abbotsford driving home today from Busting Vancouver. Up, like 10 cities and camps. And it said... And um, people have nowhere else to go during fucking quarantine and I COVID. I know, like. I know. The, the sign I saw in Abbotsford, it was uh, at a right turn sign stop, and it said, uh, panhandling is illegal. If you want to give money, give it to an agency that serves those in need. And I thought to myself, how crappy is that? Say I want to give $2 to this guy who's cold and wants to go buy himself a cup of coffee. Okay, so I can't do that. I'm going to go give that $2 to an agency. How much of that $2 is going to go for salaries, overhead, rent, expenses? How much is that person going to see? Two cents yeah, out of a $2? That's so true. So, you know, the seeing that sign just made me shitty, feel shitty about you, city of Abbotsford. And I know it's not the people of Abbotsford, but geez, Louise, you know, have some freaking, have some common sense.
Um, it's a it's a rough call, you know. They're trying to, you know, keep these people out of these cities. It's a basic thing about it. Yeah, um, but it's like this all over Canada right now, um, and it is something we are constantly addressing in the uh, pages of High Canada Magazine and Psychedelic Canada Magazine. Even this month, I'm very proud that uh, we were trying to lead by example this month, and we uh, initiated a clothing drive, uh, a winterwear clothing drive, um, designed to help the, the communities we serve in Scarborough and uh, uh, Surrey and Langley in British Columbia. And we have two great store, two great shops that have been gathering donations of you gently used uh, coats and boots and mitts and hats. And that would be uh, the weed store run by Carol uh, Gwilt and Don Briere in uh, Vancouver uh, on the Kingsway. And the other is in Toronto and in, in Scarborough, actually. And it's the Cannabis Hut. Um, and they have two locations uh Birchmount and Shepherd and Victoria Park and Lawrence. And both of these groups have stepped forward to uh, start gathering up coats and jackets. And I've seen other groups that people we're also connected with have been doing the same thing. I actually saw our friends from the Fried Chicken Podcast and they were doing, they were going around gathering coats as well for yeah. one, of the, one of their shops was doing a clothing drive. So it always does my heart good to see the cannabis community give back. Although cannabis community in Canada, you need to give back more. Um, if you're not in service to the community, if you've made so much money off this community and you're not giving back, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Give back to those who are, who are in need. There's nothing, nothing better, especially as we approach the Christmas season, to, to be actually, to be able to give back to your community. Um, I feel the cannabis industry and community doesn't give back as much as we could. And I'd like to see that change in 2022. And it's, you know, Christmas is almost here. We are getting ready for our December issue of uh, the all-new, all-legal HCM. And we're pretty excited about this issue. We've got Don and Carol Don and Carol uh, from Weeds on the cover. Uh, Christmasing it up in, uh, in some pretty crazy Christmas sweaters and some Santa hats. And we are presenting in our issue our sixth uh, iteration of our uh, gift-giving guide for stoners. This is our sixth year presenting gifts that we think would make awesome presents for the stoner in your life. So we're looking at legal companies this year uh, for our first year. I do too. And we're going to be trying some of those gift-giving guide cannabis products on this podcast. I don't know, but that Raptor thing... That kicked my ass. That's pretty good. There's shit. so you know I'm really fond of Stewart Farms and their legal topicals. Uh, you know, as you both know, I mucked up my thumb during the Lyft conference, and um, uh, let me tell oh, yeah. you, I go into most topicals, most topicals, not all, skeptically, uh, and I I know a good topical works because it works when you put it on. Of course, a couple minutes after, and let me tell you, things. ladies yeah. and gentlemen, our High Canada tribe, our 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 wonderful listeners. <laughs> we got aches and pains, man. That turmeric one is really good. Yeah, and the, uh, there was one with lavender too that yeah, I was no. like, ooh, that was pretty good. And let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, our listeners, our, our our wonderful listeners, our High Canada tribe. Uh, you know, we couldn't do this what we do every month for the last six years without you. It's it's been wonderful that you've been able to join us on this podcast. I want to thank Dave and Xander for being with us today. And, um, you know, it's our first, uh, our, it's our episode one, season one, and we're only going to get better. So, ladies and gentlemen, our High Canada fam, our High Canada tribe, you guys stay high, stay cool, and we'll talk to you soon. That seemed longer than 15 minutes.